Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. What's up? I am excited for this right here. I feel like I've waited my whole life for this moment. Oh, yeah, right. And in reality, I've been waiting since Sunday because that's when I came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. I say we came up with the idea. I, I know you didn't mention it at first, but... No, I, I think this is your brainchild. Now that you've, you're officially a part of this, I feel like it's, it's uh, your idea as well. By the way, that song we came into... Uh, John Bird and the Abandonment? What was uh, it? No, John Bird and Abandoned Reason. Okay. <laughs> My bad. John Bird and Abandoned Reason. That's your old band, right? Mm, yeah, that was that was a cut that was going to be on the second album. Nice, nice. So um, just a, a brief explainer, and I'm going to kind of toy with the volume on here. So for those of you that uh, hear us going up and down, just, just bear with it. This is our first time doing this. And it's John Bird's first time here in the studio. Yep. Kind of a big deal there. Um, what we came up with, and this happened when I canceled on you for the Super Bowl on Sunday, mm-hmm. which, well, I talked about it on air. Yeah, we, I, I, you're right. I told everybody how stressed out I was about it. It took me uh, a lot of internal discussions with myself and with Trish, who was, she wanted y'all to come over here, but she was also at the point where she just wanted an answer. Like, what was going to happen? And then finally, I just had to pull the trigger, and I'm like, okay, whatever. So with that, my first thought, and I don't want want it to seem like this is the reason we're doing this tonight, Mm -hmm. but my first thought that prompted this was, how am I going to make it up to John Bird? And so I thought, well, I'll just invite him over on another night. And then it hit me, we've been wanting to do this thing where we do podcast interviews, what if the first one was John Bird himself? <laughs> That's frightening. Because this dude's got some stories to tell, uh, and I think the audience would be fascinated by it. This is obviously being a podcast is pre-recorded, but people are going to find out, you know, within the next twenty-four hours that this is available. Mm-hmm. Available on video, as you guys see us here, and audio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're going to be doing more of these in the near future, so uh, I encourage you to keep an eye out. If you're listening on any of those platforms or even watching on any of those platforms, make sure you subscribe. Number one, subscribe. Number one. And then when we get new new content out there, then you are, uh, you're going to get that on your phone easy peasy. So what this is is... We're bringing in people. We're just talking to them about their their life. Uh, I I'm only going to bring in interesting people because even if you look at some of the 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 people that do this, like this is their thing mm-hmm. with the, with the interviews. Even Joe Rogan, if I go through his list of his recent interviews, a lot of times if I don't recognize the name of the person he's interviewing, it may be one of the most compelling interviews ever, but. I won't click it because I'm like, I don't know who the hell that is. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of skip over it. But people know John Bird. I and so they they're going to see that name and they're going to be like, okay, I got to hear this. <laughs> so I made sure we supplied John Bird with some uh, some beer. Speaking of which, I brought a whole cooler in here. Look at this. <laughs> but, but we're on our health journey. So yeah, it's a right. Ultra. That's right. Trish <laughs> Trish was like, why are you taking a cooler in there? The fridge is just in here. I was like, listen, we're about to do some business. 
That's we gotta right. have this stuff on. If you're standby. gonna get the real deal item, you gotta get me drunk. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna get <laughs> John Bird white girl wasted. <laughs> so uh, let's let's get into it. Um, John Bird, Jonathan. Is it Jonathan or is it John? No, it's just John Robert Bird Jr. I feel like I'm meeting you for the first time, John Robert Bird. No immediate relation to Robert Byrd. There is a relation there, but... Uh, distant. Distant, um, disconnected. Yes, I'm I dissolved. Am, I'm a member of the North Carolina Birds. Okay. But it started in Virginia, and then they worked all the way down, and then they're all the way down here into Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, so the birds are spread all throughout the east and southeast. So you're, you're, the North, you're part of the North Carolina Birds, and the other birds are part of the clan. Right. Okay. Gotcha. That's pretty much it. Just making sure we got we got that squared away. <laughs> uh, born in North Carolina, what town? A uh, small town called Washington. It's a coastal town. Yeah. Um. And uh, actually, it's the original Washington. The original the Washington. First one to be yeah to be named. And they call it Little Washington. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was born there, and then um, uh, have a sister who is eight years older than me. I was a pleasant surprise for mom and dad. Oh, wow. Yes. So um, the only bad thing is they did all the cool stuff before I was born. You know, my dad had a boat. I didn't find that out for years. My dad had a boat. They had a camper. They did all this stuff. And then, you know, they got all settled into their lives. And here comes a little Johnny. No. <laughs> but I, they, they did spoil me quite a bit, especially my mom. So so is, is it a lot like our Christmas play for those that went to the 99.5 Christmas deal? Uh you you were the main character, and and we go through the process. I was actually the doctor, ironically, and you were born, and the parents were disappointed that you were born. I'm no. not saying your parents were disappointed, but they were like, "Oh no, this is going to cramp our lifestyle." No, no, no. Okay. They, they were they were surprised. Uh, I mean, you know, they were surprised because they weren't planning on it. They were just done doing the cool stuff at that point. Yes. And so, yeah, they got into, you know, they'd been married, you know, eight years and they were like, okay, it's time to settle down. And then I came along. <laughs> and they're like, oh God, I can't yeah, believe it. We've already, yeah. we've already done all the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. This is not my interview, but uh, my sister, 11 years younger than me, she snuck up on everybody as well. My, my mom and dad tried to have a baby, couldn't do it, gave up, and then here she came. Mm-hmm. That's the way some of y'all, some of y'all do. Y'all come in late. Um, grew up, um, went to I guess normal high school, public school. Yeah. Well, the big thing is when we were five, um, we moved. My dad got transferred. He worked for a phone company, mm-hmm. and we got transferred to southeastern North Carolina, which is near Wilmington, around the Wilmington Lumberton area. Okay. And um, that's where my grandparents were. So I grew up. That was an incredible childhood growing up. Um, our grandpa had a hog farm. We had chickens. I had cut off jeans and, uh, you know, didn't wear a shirt in the summertime. Nice. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just absolutely loved it. And, um, then unfortunately life, you know, has a way of, uh, of intruding. And my, uh, grandmother got really sick. This is age one. And this is, I'm uh, around 12, 13. Okay. So a lot of stuff happened there. Uh, my grandmother got really uh, sick and she was up at Chapel Hill and we spent, I remember a lot of times going with my mom and we would just sleep in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, unfortunately my grandma never, never came out, you know, never came out of the, uh, the hospital and my grandfather who was 
about 11 years older, he pretty much gave up. And they were both gone within like four months. And then my dad got transferred back to Washington. And, you know, he and I've only found this out in recent years, uh, you know, just since, you know, I'm spending more time with my dad that he he didn't have a choice. It was either you go or you're fired. Wow. So, um, you know, and of course, and I'm resenting all this. I'm like, how could he do this to me? You know, not knowing, you know, obviously in hindsight, um, you know, what, what he was going through. With. As a child, you're blaming the dad for something he has no control over. And, yeah. and that comes at the heels of what would be traumatic for a child. And that's the passing away of grandparents. I, I, I know you've talked about your granddad a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got bit by the turtle one time and your grandpa mm-hmm. came and killed it. And y'all mm-hmm. ate the turtle. You're pretty close to your grandmother as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm very, very close. And that's my mom's, uh, that's my mom's parents. My dad's, uh, uh, side of the family. I didn't know my grandfather. He had some, and this will play into it. One of the reasons I go ahead and say that I'm, I, I want to do this is, uh, I don't want this to be like some big movie or any kind of thing. It's just, I've been through a lot of interesting and good and bad stuff. Right. So I want to be the good, the bad, the ugly. And, uh, my grandfather, uh, ended up committing suicide uh, when my dad was like 18. Wow. So I had met, there were mental health issues on both sides of the family, but my mom's side really manifested it um, uh, strongly. So by the time we'd moved back to Washington, of course, my mother had gone through losing both of her parents in four months. Right. And where she grew up, she was uprooted and now put back into uh you know, uh, back into this place, Washington. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I ever fully, I ever fully recovered. Um, it was, I think it was officially 14 when I started, uh, started uh, school in Washington. And um, I was part of uh, a marching band. That was what I, I really loved music. So I got involved with that. And uh, we had a band, a band director who his, his big thing, he was really intense. He, he always said, if I was the commander in charge of Vietnam, we would have won that damn war. Yes. So this is, you know, so we had a marching band from small town and we had a lot of success. Um, uh, and I let that go straight to my head because I was drum major. So ah. you take a you take a 16 year old and you put him in a superhero's costume where you got a cape, you got a tri-cornered hat you've got gauntlets you've got gloves you've got boots literal superhero yeah you're standing up on a podium in front of 150 people and they do whatever you want them to do (laughs) that's a lot of power it's it yeah it makes it for you know it being being really ugly so uh i was a you know in a lot of ways i was a jerk uh, in high school, you allowed that that uh, that power to go to your head in uh, high school. Uh, yeah, because I always just was always, and we all have a tendency to beat ourselves up. Um, I had so such low self esteem that that was something I could gravitate towards. Now let, let's go with the low self esteem. That was mm-hmm. from you mentioned your grandfather. On your mom's side or mm-hmm. your dad's side that uh, committed suicide? On my dad's side. On your dad's side. That had already happened at this point. Yeah, that that was all before, I mean, my dad was like 18. And that so. happened because of mental health issues. It's just, it's weird because during that time frame, we're talking about, what, the 1970s? 
Or is it 1980? No, no, no. Uh, 1970. Oh, wait, wait. My, for my dad? The the suicide. No, we're going way back. That's in the 50s. Okay, so this is before you were born. Oh, yes. Okay. And mm-hmm. so that happened, it obviously, would affect your dad. And and you're thinking that uh, when even when you get in high school, you start realizing maybe you've got some of those same issues that your grandparents dealt with? Um, well, oddly enough, most of them came from my mother's side of the family. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's, that's what's strange. And my mother and I were really, really, really close. Mm-hmm. And um, I now, looking back on it, uh, see why, because we had so much in common. Because uh, she struggled with depression. Um, I now know that, looking back, she struggled with ADHD. And we were just sort of like two peas in a pod. And um, you didn't realize it at the time. No, I was just like, what's wrong with me? What's going what in the world? What, what was your you and your mother's relationship like growing up through high school? Uh, well, um, she she doted on me. You know, she loved me. But then again, I was. I wouldn't allow my, you know, I wouldn't say, yeah, Mom, you know, just get, come on, come on. But I'd get typical her, teenage uh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. But what ended up happening is I met a girl. And this is where things really turned around uh, in the wrong direction for me. You're in high school. Yes. Uh, I meet this girl who had just started back at, at school, and there's an immediate connection. And, of course, you're 16, and it's just so intense. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to mention her name, but we fell deeply in love. I went off the deep end. As in, as in, just all out. She's my everything. I don't okay, care about anything gotcha. else. That kind of thing. Um, and now looking back, also, she was bipolar, mm-hmm. which is, it's that's devastating. It's a bad uh, combo because you were already dealing with issues. That right, you were I, I was to right, and um, you know, and she it was like the immense mood swings and bad things happen with, with bipolar. You know, when you're looking for that high. You're very reckless in what you do. Right. And your emotions run wild. It's much like a drug addict. They're, they're, that's you, exactly. That's that's exactly well, a, way, a way to look at it. You'll do whatever to get that high. And when mm-hmm. you're searching for it, you, you're not going to stop that person. Yeah. And when like, and when she was down, once again, she wasn't aware of her surroundings. She couldn't care less. There was something about um, a little, uh, something we called stunt night, like a, these each class uh, would put on a play and they would compete in one night to see who would be the, you know, the champion. And um, somebody said something was really rude to her or mean to her. She got in her mom's car and left and just left. Just mm. got on I-95 and drove. And, of course, I don't know where she is. So I'm out, like, just driving around the town, like, you know, where in the world is she? It's the love of your life. Yeah, yeah. And... um about one, one or one thirty, I remember just being out driving and just pulling over, and it just this immense wave of pain came over me. Uh, get a call the next day from uh, my girlfriend's uh, mom, mm-hmm. who she was a piece of work to. Uh, Robin had called. She was in. Okay, that's her name. Uh, that's all. Right. That's all right. That's all right. You do that God on the air her. all the time too. Yeah, yeah. But um, she uh, had been gang raped mm. in Virginia, uh, up in Virginia, and uh, so I'm now, you know, sixteen, not quite seventeen. I'm like, okay, now I'm in adult stuff. 
Right. You know, you go from, and ask, okay, this is adult stuff here. So I'm trying to figure that out. And, and unfortunately, and this is what was, the worst thing is, is, is my dad got the call. So he had to tell me. Okay. So um, he had it explained to him and then yeah, he had to tell and, you. Uh, you know, which, you know, I can't imagine having to do that with my son. Right. You know, uh, never had conversations like that in the past. No, 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 no. And so, to tell him his girlfriend has been through this. Yes. So we ended up, uh, I ended up riding with his mom, uh, with her mom and her stepdad, uh, all the way up to Virginia, no talking. I mean, I'm, you know, stunned. And, um, I'll never forget going into the, uh, a hotel. There's a hotel that had let her have a room and, uh, she wouldn't come out for anybody, the police or anything. So, uh, uh, she only wanted me to go in there. So I went in there and she was, just um, kind of over in the corner, huddled up. Yeah. And, you know, you want to be able to know what to do. And, of course, you know, you, you comfort her and everything. But uh, but at that age, how, how are you supposed to know what to do? Yeah, exactly. That, that, that changed, that switch changed. That's a, you know, here's the life here, and here's the life from this point forward. Right. Um, because when she got back home, uh, they caught the guys. And uh, they were going to make her go through three separate trials because there were three of them. And she uh, d- you know, decided not to. So dealing with that guilt. And what I would do is um, I would uh, sleep in a chair by her bed. Now, she, are, are we still at the hotel at this no, point? No, this, this is with her being home. She's back home. Right. Okay. And uh, when she would um, go to bed. I would sit in a chair beside her and like uh, hold her hand or, you know, just be there with her. And, um, she, she'd wake up with violent screams and outbursts. Right. You know, and once again, I'm a 16 year old trying to process this. I'm like, is this really the way life's supposed to go? It's not poor, poor, pitiful me. It's just, you know, you're, you're looking at a situation and a person that you, you're doing all you can for yeah, and and you, I mean, in that day and age, you don't, you know, parents didn't talk to kids about stuff no, like my this. My parents were, they were like, what, what, what can we? Right, there, it, it's it was it was taboo to even talk about, and it's so different now. And I've noticed this with my yes. own kid that they're exposed to so much, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it makes it has made it tremendously easier. I feel like to talk to your kids about oh. some of the issues that our parents didn't feel like they could talk to us about. Yeah. You know? Um, but again, going back to that time, here you are, 16 years old. You, you you probably don't even know what this thing that has happened is, and you're trying to process that, but also trying to grow up in a matter of moments and be the protector of somebody that had this awful thing happen to them. Yeah. And, and then... Of the things that came off of that, this stunt night thing that I'm talking about, where you know we had all these, you know, skits and things. Well, I was a big part of that, and I wasn't. I just wasn't able to be a part of it anymore uh, because of the situation. But nobody knew, right? So nobody knew. They just the idea was that that you know she she's just really sick, right? So then it's like, well, okay, well, where are you? Why aren't you? You know, doing this. I can't say anything. Yeah, you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah, and friends find out decades later, but um, 
you know, they were like, man, what a jerk. I cannot believe he did this to us. Ah, uh, and then you're taking the heat. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, but I had an opportunity to grow from this and learn from this, but you know, I didn't, we ended up going to the same college and, um, we ended up breaking up, which I, I mean, it, it was pretty much inevitable. Um, I ended up just dropping out of school and my parents came and, and got me and then she got on her motorcycle, she had a little motorcycle, and drove to Florida. Mm-hmm. And then me, when I get home, of course, I'm like, oh, well, uh, I think I'm going to find my fame and fortune in Florida. Yeah. Because yeah, right. even though you guys are broken <laughs> up, you still, what did you have in the back I'm of your trying, head? Yes, I'm trying to convince myself okay. that I'm going to go to Florida anyway. Right, right, right. That yeah. old gag. Yeah. So um, I'm driving a little Ford Pinto, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I get down there to Orlando and um, can't afford any of the places that they have. Mm. Eventually run out of money, so I'm living in my car for a while. Which no job, no nothing, mm. it, no plan on what to do? No. Okay. No, once again, going into life just unprepared. Eyes closed. Yeah, so finally after three weeks, three and a half weeks, I end up calling my mom and saying, uh, I think I'm going to come home. Are you speaking to this girl while you're down there? Are you no, spending time fi- with her? I'm, I'm trying to find her. Gotcha. See, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense what I did. It was, it made no sense. It's just Florida. It can't be that big. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, you know, it was just me, you know, in desperation. Right. Uh, so, um, uh, I ended up, uh, coming back. My car was down to three cylinders and I had to put a quart of oil in every oh, 150 geez. miles or so. <laughs> I ran out of gas. Oh, no. In the place that I grew up, where my grandparents were. Because my sister and uh, my brother-in-law uh, stayed there. They okay. got married and stayed there. So I pulled up to, to the house, and it was pouring rain. And I just, you know, I, I came in, and I was soaking wet. And, you know, they were newly married, so they didn't really know what, you know, what to say. And my sister, you know, just gave me a hug. And uh, I started to go upstairs because I was just going to crash. And my, my, uh, you just walk in and you're like, Florida sucks. Don't go. <laughs> yeah. And, and just go upstairs and, and just, you know, crash. And then the next morning, uh, my brother-in-law gave me money for gas and I drove home. Oh, I thought you were going to say you drove back to Florida. <laughs> oh, God. No, 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 Good no, Lord. No, 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 no. But I drove home. Uh, you know, I gave my mom a hug, gave her a kiss. Said, I, I just want to get some rest. And stayed in my room for, uh, I think it was about two weeks. I don't remember a whole lot. And uh, then there was uh, some hospitalization issues. and um, With you? Yeah. Do you want to elaborate yeah, on it, that? Well, I, I don't remember a whole lot about it. Okay. So I just, I kind of, it broke. I, I sn- I, Your brain broke. I snapped. Yeah, it okay. was like, okay, too much, too much. You're 17, too much, too much. And um, music brought me up out of it. Hmm. I had some friends from school. I said, hey, let's. You know, let's start playing some music. So I started uh, started doing that and got my music career going and made some horrific, horrific wardrobe choices. Now, yes, as we've talked. Yes, about. you did. Um, actually, do we have any of those? Um, I didn't have time to pull that. One. Oh, but they man. they can um, they can go to the uh, Talk Nine and Five uh, uh, Facebook site. Wait, wait, this this isn't one of those choices, is it? <laughs> no. Where is this from? No, that's just from I don't know three years ago. <laughs> okay, just check it. <laughs> I saw that. Now with the, the the music you're talking about, you got together with a band. Uh, yes, and actually, the uh, 
if you pull that back over the pictures, I can yeah. show you the band. Okay. Let's see here. Okay. I go down and to the left. One more. Right here. Click there. Yes. Okay. Now, this is Abandoned Reason. Your typical, uh, not Abandoned Reason. This is uh, um, Amethyst was the name of the group. I'm, of course, the guy to the right. Amethyst. Amethyst. Huh. Yeah, that was real big. You can remember early 80s. So that was, uh, you know, that was a big thing. So I went through through a series of bands. Um, and then. And wait, hold on. Just for those that are watching the video of this, uh, John Bird is which guy? This one right here? Yes. <laughs> Look at him. He looks like Rambo. Yeah, they use a, they had a, a name. They call me Engine Joe, which is, <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously it's cancel culture now, but. Um, Engine Joe. <laughs> I dyed my hair black. Oh my and, uh, god! Uh, I was doing roofing work, so I always had a nice. Wrong time. person watches this podcast and find out <laughs> you were Engine Jack. You're done. <laughs> You're done for. Done, baby. So that that was that was that band. Let's just, let's just stick with the music for just a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was you were in multiple bands. What uh, was the next band? Yeah, um, uh, the next one was called Virginia. Uh, unfortunately, though, I, I've got to insert this in here. Uh, Robin decided to come back to town. Okay, this is the girlfriend that left to Florida. Right. Okay, yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. You and I both are bad about that. So, so No, no, well, this is in between. Okay, this is on the other side of that particular right. band. So, right. so, so that I'm I'm in that band as she decides to come back. So okay. Like, oh, this is great. So let's catch up. You, you, you come back home. You end up. I'm, we'll cool, cool. say uh, Looney Ben, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, um, and 17 years old because you're dealing with a lot of real world, real life stuff that you just can't process. You get out, mm -hmm. you find music, music's working out really good for you, and then this girl just shows back up. Well, I, I she calls me, okay, and tells me that she wants to come home, and you know she wants to see me, and of course. You know, what am I going to do? Of course, I'm like, oh, this is great. This is incredible. And everything's wonderful and everything. I feel like this is a Forrest Gump, Jenny type of thing. It, it I'm not calling you Forrest Gump, but right, right. you know what I'm saying. Well, it ends here okay. because she killed herself mm. um, down in Florida. Before she made it back? Yes. Oh, wow. So she calls you, says she's going to come back, and never did. Right. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm sure she had every intention to. But once again, when you're dealing with mental illness especially bipolar, mm. the highs are high and the lows are low. Now, how did you find this out? Um, once again, from her mother. Called you directly? Uh, yes, mm. and, uh, and talked to me. And then um, my friends and actually my, my band director, who I'd become really close with, uh, um, they went with me to the funeral. Um, and that was tough. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was uh, tough. I have a, an aversion, obviously. To, uh, to people passing away. And then I made the mistake, and I do believe it was a mistake, to go up to her casket. Yeah. And um, she looked like she was in her 50s. Yeah. And she's 21. Well, you add that into everything you had been through with her. I mean, even just on the aspect of going to Florida. I mean, you went through a lot that most grown men don't even go through just in traveling to a new place with absolutely nothing barely surviving and then barely making it back home that's a lot to, that's a lot to deal with you're how old at this age yeah i mean um, at this time um at the time i of think her i'm death. almost 19 maybe wow you're not even 20 yet no 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 not yet and um so it was 
Well, it was pretty dramatic. I ended up running out of the building and just, it just. Just couldn't handle it. Yeah. But my bandmates were there for me and I just jumped right back into it and decided, that's when I decided to start doing original music Mm -hmm. because that was a way I'm like, okay, I got to get this out some way. Right. You know, I'm not going to do it in a negative way. So I channeled it through, uh, doing music and, um, uh, we went through, uh, various bands uh in the 80s and then one uh, uh the one band that i thought was going to do was going to be the one they ended up kicking me out of my own band oh jeez. yeah what's and, the name of this band uh this band was virgin ear okay and actually uh, the new person they brought on board which i knew and was friends with and this would be echoed later in my life but that person betrayed me and got these other people convinced that I didn't need to be in the band. So I'm now, okay, everything's oh. gone. Music's gone, everything. Love of your life, music, <laughs> the music that saved you from the traumatic things you dealt with. Mm-hmm. And this is a band you founded. Mm-hmm. You started, you brought people in, mm-hmm. and then some outsider comes in and gets you kicked out. And so that's, yet again, devastating thing to deal with. What's your next move? Okay, well, um, at that time, I was actually dating a girl. I got, and this this sounds ridiculous, but um, I got engaged. Okay. To a, a um, you know, to a to a young lady. How long did y'all date? Um, we it? dated about a year. Okay, that's not bad. Um, but I was in love with the idea of love now. Right. And um, I mean, you know, I, I I loved her, but I, I can honestly tell you when we started talking about getting engaged and then okay you can get uh my you know my dad said he can get you uh your own bread truck you know to do deliveries mm. and planning that yeah. life out <laughs> it was gone yeah, uh, yeah i mean which is horrible i mean it's a, a horrible uh, a horrible way to um uh, to be but i was if i could have only just learned a little bit i should have you were all or these, nothing from these things exactly yeah and it just it didn't it didn't suit me well. By then, the ADHD and depression had really manifested itself. I had no medication, um, and I loved. Uh, the, and and the this highs. is during a time that nobody really understood. Oh no, the ADHD and really even the depression yeah. in a sense. I no, mean, we're talking eighty five. Yeah. Um, By the way, it's when I was born. <clears throat> yeah, that's always good to hear. John Birds lived a full life by the time I was in the womb. <laughs> that's the truth, man. <laughs> think about it. But um, so, so in, anyway, um, I decided I was going to do some solo stuff. Okay, and, well, where where are we at with the girl? You, you you were engaged. Did you get married? No, just I ended it off it. like a a jerk, an absolute. How did it end? Jerk. Do you remember? All right, I said I was going to be transparent, and yeah. I am. And this is very embarrassing. Well, but you know, I'd rather get it out of my head. Do it. This is this okay. is your chance. Well, I'm I'm full of myself. Once again, I hate myself. I think maybe some people can can relate. So I overcompensate, right? By talking about how great I am, you know, this and that. There's like you know this constant battle going on inside, and um, uh, so I'm sorry, I lost my track. No, we're talking about what, how y'all split up. Yes, yes, thank you. Um. I had decided that we needed to split up because I was not going to drive a bread truck because I was destined for music. So I had uh, recorded a song and I let her you know, listen to it. 
And she she, she, she says, I love that. And somewhere in the conversation, it came up about Bon Jovi. And evidently, I used it. That was my outlet. I'm like, okay, so I can never live up to anything like this. So if you love him so much, why don't you marry? Yeah, just typical, just wow. I know it's a jerk. So Bon Jovi broke y'all up. No, I used Bon Jovi to break us up. <laughs> oh, but you weren't for real jealous of Bon Jovi or her love for Bon Jovi, or well, you were? It, it was a matter of I was very self conscious about my talent. So you you felt like she wasn't appreciating your yeah, talent, which is just you know I mean looking looking back on it, it's just you know ridiculous. Well, I'm gonna I thought you were gonna say you banged her sister or something, so I'm actually <laughs> relieved that, that that's the route you took. But no 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 nothing like that. So uh, so anyway, I decided I was working at a recording studio. Okay. Uh, that also was a uh, music store, and uh, I was I started recording soundtracks way back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and By the way, p- pull this mic down this, a little bit because I'm yes. sitting here chasing you on the volume. Just, okay. just pull it down. How about that? Is that good? <laughs> pull it down here and then mm-hmm. up a little bit, and that way it's catching that, all your is voice. Is that better? Yeah, that'll work. We can do that. Uh, um, recording studio. Yeah. Uh, so. There, I started working on a solo career. Okay. And um, I got hooked up, and this is the part where I somehow ended up becoming a gymnastics instructor. <laughs> what? There was a, a husband and wife that I became friends with, and he sold advertising for a TV station, but he was one of the most talented songwriters I've ever known it was just unbelievable okay um and of course they were probably he was probably 10 years older than me um but uh God, I so i started working in now. that studio well yeah. i mean actually he and his wife are in nashville and uh they're doing they've got this little organization this little they do little gigs huh. around nashville so interesting kind of found their their dream so you link up with but, these people right so i'm imagining a recording studio downstairs and then upstairs, this is a barn that they had uh, redone. It was called uh, the Red uh, Le Moulin Rouge, okay. or the Red Barn of Dance. So I'm like, I can't make enough money, you know, just doing this. So uh, the the wife, you know, she said, "Well, you're in pretty good shape. Can you do a cartwheel?" I said, "Well, yeah." She said, "Let me see you do a cartwheel." And I did a real lame cartwheel. She said, "That's good enough. You're strong." She said, would you like to be a, to teach gymnastics? And I'm like, what? I don't know how to. She said, no, you would get the little kids. So I, got, I, I did two weeks of training during the summer and became Mr. John. <laughs> and uh, I taught uh, three-year-olds up to uh, nine-year-olds. Wow. And uh, I wish I had pictures from that time because I had my long hair. So I had a ponytail. No, I had a ponytail, mm-hmm. and I had three earrings. Yeah. Uh, three hoops right here. And I was the coolest, coolest of the cool. This is this right here is what I picture you looking like as a gymnastics instructor. For those of you watching the video, <laughs> that's this is what I picture John Bird looking like as he shows up to uh, the gymnastics gymnasium. Not quite, but I was I was in good shape at least. I mean, I was in my... You know, I mean, at this point, I'm in my early twenties, twenty two, twenty three. And and, and like you that. were you were a, a, what age is this right here? Yeah, now that's come. Well, actually, that's from uh, nineteen eighty 
87. So you're 20 87, what? 87, 23, 24. Okay. So this is about that time. Yeah, so that's a, a headshot that I had. You look like, what's his name? What's the actor's uh, name? Everybody says you look like in here? Well, there are two of them. Uh, they said that one was like a Patrick Swayze. That's who I'm thinking of. Um, and then also Kurt Russell. Okay. Also yeah. That. And I had a story about that too. It's funny. But uh, anyway, so uh, I decided uh, the, to teach gymnastics, and mm-hmm. I loved it, man. And I realize now that I should have been a teacher. Yeah. Because I... Don't mind I me, by the it. way. I'm yeah, just going to baby sure. you here a little bit. There you go. I mean, I... I want s- you to be relaxed, but yeah. you keep getting away from that microphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I... But um, I just... I really, really enjoyed it. And, of course, you can you can teach a three-year-old basic gymnastics. Right. And not be a gymnast yourself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and we would put programs together, and we would do little... Uh, uh, at the end of the year, you know, everybody would do, we'd have like a big uh, uh, gala where, where everybody did their routines and everything. And I also got involved with doing um, characters. Okay. Uh, and we would we would videotape, which I mean, back then, uh, you know, in the, the late 80s for a small town, being able to do that. But that was because the guy on the recording studio worked at a TV studio. So we were able to get, to get the, yeah, so we're doing all this real... creative stuff. So I'm just, I'm, I'm discovering all this extra stuff. I'm like, Hey, I'm a pretty funny guy. Yeah. Maybe I'm more than just a musician. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I really started, you know, growing from that and I love the kids. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest. I love the moms too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, you know, so we got along, you know, so I was, I was the cool one. I did have a mother ask, ask me one time. She said, would you mind talking to my son? Uh, and I was like, sure. Why? I said, well, he came home the other day and said he didn't want to get his hair cut anymore. And he wanted to get pirate hoops in his ear. And it was because Mr. John had them. So could Oof. you tell them that? He might want to wait to I, do that. I, I, see, I knew there was going to be a turn to this where something like John Bird was turning the kids trans on, <laughs> no. on the gymnastics team. No, I'm turning them on to rock and roll gymnastics. Oh, okay, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's right. It it's a different about. time. Yeah, it's a different time. But in the meantime, we also had a band going with the the husband that owned the recording studio. Okay. I worked on an album of his called Viet Song. His brother had uh, gone through uh, Vietnam. Uh-huh. So he wrote songs, just incredible stuff. So um, I was working on them, and I picked some musicians. He said, do you know any good musicians? I said, sure. So I handpicked some musicians that I'd worked with in the past, and we were part of the band that was working on the album. Right. Uh, so then it turns out we started going out playing clubs and uh, uh, you know, doing things, and then I'd Oh, yeah, that's right. I used to impersonate Elvis. Right. We, yeah, then, we heard that. Yeah. So then this is when it really comes to the forefront because that makes good money. You okay. Know, you can make really good money, you know, an extra $1,000, an extra 1000 a night for the band. It's not bad. To do, you know, to do an, an Elvis show. So I was like, okay. And what's I, the name of this band? And I don't, the, you don't the remember. John Galt band. The John, like, who is John Galt? Where exactly. is John Galt? That exactly. Okay. I mean, because, uh, I mean. Turns out we found him. Yes, we did. He's in a band. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we, we were playing a lot. Of course, I was playing music that I was like, eh. Yeah, at, at one time, I was playing in a country band. I was playing in a uh, top 40 band. I did a few gigs with a heavy metal band, Warwig. Warwig. Um, you know, but I was doing whatever I could to, to make money. But, uh so then I was like, I'm getting away from what I originally wanted to do. I want to do my music. So 
those same people that I'd gotten for the band, we started getting together okay. and rehearsing. And I brought in uh, someone else uh, that uh, I was friends with. And then that was the beginning of Abandoned Reason. Did before you put, while you were putting that band together, did you make every member like, hey, Pinky promise you're not going to get me kicked out of this band? <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no, because it was John Burden and Band Reason. I mean, and these people, I knew uh, their temperaments. I knew we would all get along really well. Right. And we got along great, you know, as the backing band. And this is early 90s? Um, not uh 89 89 90 yeah yeah we're, get, we're getting we're getting around there so uh then i get engaged again um this is somebody that i met at the mount olive pickle festival whoa yes, that's right we that were, seems a little weird we were co-headliners too now now do we want to give everybody a sample of abandoned reason before we get is this okay so I, I'm just trying to make sure we stay on track timeline wise, mm-hmm. right? Because we're making our way up to modern day. Um, first engagement ended in tragedy, mm-hmm. as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the third. What was the second? Did I miss that? Oh, the first. Was oh, the Bon Jovi. Broke. Okay, yeah, the Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, bon Jovi yeah. broke yeah. y'all up, and then we moved over. This is the third one. You're yes. not engaged yet. You just met. No, I fell head over heels again. And she looked a lot like Robin, and she had the almost exact mm. same issues. Do, do you think, you know, we, we've already discussed your mom and your dad mm-hmm. because of their, their genes, basically, that they've dealt with these issues. Do you think that's what internally was causing you to be attracted? Because most people say, hey, you look I, for somebody like your mom yeah, or your dad. I, I mean, no, because my mom was... Like me, not like Robin was, or Cherie. These people aren't in the same category as your mom. Right. They're further out. We're talking bipolar. Okay. You know, and um, we played, and um, she came up to me and started talking to me. And then we started, after we finished our gig, we started dancing and and, uh, we're just hanging out. And, you know, the band kept saying, come on, we got to go, man. We got to go. I said, okay, okay, it's going to be filming. And finally, uh, you were that guy. Our drummer, yeah, our drummer, uh, and he never would. It would have never done this in a million years, but he said, I'm getting in the truck and I'm cranking it and I'm leaving your ass. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. So I got involved with this girl. She was living, she was in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. I was up in Washington. It's about a two hour drive. And, uh, I mean, first red flag is she was an aspiring actress. Mm. And, um, cause, you, because you're just, you're, I think you're attracted to people that have no, 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 I don't want to say purpose, but no pathway in life. Like, no job, just want to be a rock star. We all know that kind of stuff's lightning in a bottle, especially back then. Yeah. And uh, you're like, okay, I just want to live wild and free. Well, but the thing was, I didn't. You didn't live wild I and free. I didn't live wild and free. Yeah. It, it's like, I mean, just, I, just I made it about the music. I made it about the music, and which was, was good. Um, but you know, as far as being Mr. Woohoo, rock and roll, I was actually a little bit boring. I mean, I, I'm a Reagan was my hero, so I was a conservative metalhead, which doesn't fit in in the music no, industry. No, not not at all. And uh, uh, but anyway, with this young lady, she wanted me to come down for a bikini contest. She had that she won, you know, and that was just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, you know, it was like it was done. Okay, after that, so. So um, you, wait, you, you 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 broke it off? No, 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 no. Oh no, oh no. 
Um, it got worse, and uh, you fell harder in love. Yeah, after I, you went to a bikini contest. Yeah, I mean, just I'm just so screwed up, you know, at, at this point. And um, finally, I I do find out through a series of events that she sleeps with one of the producers of a film that she had gotten a part in, which Ugh. was the uh, Omen, the third Omen. Oh. And that's how you get it in Hollywood. Yeah. That's how you make it. Yeah. So I, I actually, and this is... And <laughs> Should I'm, have I'm, to talk with you beforehand. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm always so dr- melodramatic. So I'm like, I suspect this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I've been up all night. Oh, you go investigator mode. I roll the windows down on my 1985 Ford Mustang four-cylinder. Okay. And I go chugging down the highway. I've been up all night. Been drinking something. Chug, get all the way down there. Um, I get there about maybe seven thirty in the morning. Go up top. Pop, 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 pop. Beating on the door. I don't hear anything. Yeah, pop, 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 pop. Beating on the door. She answers it and she's like, "What?" I said, "Did you cheat on me? Did you sleep with that producer guy?" And I caught her completely off guard because mm-hmm. I mean she just went. She's like, "Well." Yeah, but we can, I mean, let's, you know, just talk about it. I was like, well, I had a, 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 an expletive. Yeah. And I closed the door. I got in my car. I cranked up my little radio as far as it would go with the windows rolled down and I drove back home. And that was it. Now, was it painful? Yes. Never saw um, her again. Yeah, you know what? Let's leave that part out. Yes. No way. I never, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it ended up, uh, you know, not working out, but, uh, obviously, uh, so now abandoned reason we're working on our album. Okay. We're starting to play out. Do do we want to just, uh, give, give the people a sample of abandoned reason? Sure. sure. Let's do it. Keep keep talking and and we'll sample it, uh, as we go here. Cause we've got some live footage of you guys. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was uh, a album release party. 92 summer of 92 so for those of you that are watching the podcast you can see uh john bird you are in the red in the vest mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah you're getting it hold on let's let's let a little bit of this audio play for people listening to be able to hear oh you're having a good time too look at you oh yeah what are you drinking there um it was a concoction wasn't alcoholic lsd no for my That's actually a. Uh, that's pretty good. That's the saying that my grandfather always said: "Youth is wasted on the young." Was well, it? Where's this being performed at? It's uh, a little. I mean, well, it's a pretty good sized record store. Okay. Uh, so you got a crowd it was there, in Raleigh or Greenville? Uh, yeah, pretty pretty decent crowd. Um, but uh, yeah, and we, you know, we went to a couple of radio stations, and um, I remember we. And then this is the other shift. Um, in my life okay um, we were playing playing a lot of shows uh, and of course Hootie and the Blowfish well done there was, there was like a, a, a there was like a circuit okay um, uh, and we were really on the the lower end we were just really you know getting going but uh, 
uh, Ben Folds Five. Yeah, was in a band. Mm-hmm. That was my my cousin that's playing with the um, Counting Crows now. Was uh, also part of that. So th- they had this thing going, and um, we would always make fun of Hootie and the Blowfish mm. because while Darius Rucker is an incredible vocalist, he wasn't good at doing other people's songs. Right. You know, and a lot of times, you know, you expect to it to at least sound like close to, you know, the original. So we would always laugh about how awful their cover songs were. <laughs> and, uh, and that comes back to bite me here shortly. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, one, so one night we were playing a place called The Rathskeller. Mm. And uh, we were up on stage. And at that time I played uh, keyboard, guitar, saxophone, harmonica, and accordion. Um, I like to challenge myself to see um, you know, how many different instruments I, I could play. Okay. And so we were up there playing, had a pretty good crowd. And I look out in the audience, and just like a cheesy 80s movie, the crowd swells away and a light comes down. And there's this young lady, had a couple too many to drink. You a, did? No. Oh, the lady? Yes. Okay. Yes, this young lady did. And she had a little case of the leans. And I just remember thinking, I mean, I, I stopped singing. I, I couldn't, I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. There was nothing like I experienced before. And I was like, I got I to gotta know who that girl is. That's and, my and next I, wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because I, I never, I would never approach. It was, I was always approached. I just didn't have any confidence right. for that. And this is the first time when I said, you know what? I don't care if she tells me to go to hell. You know, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her. And, of course, she's uh, you know, almost nine years younger than me. Um, and she actually worked with uh, at the mall with our uh, guitar player and my songwriting partner who was manager of a shoe store. Mm-hmm. So I'm just – and I probably – I don't really remember, but I probably was not subtle. <laughs> I, I'm sure I was not, I was not subtle. Right. And um, so we started just kind of hanging out some. And she would come to, you know, we'd have band parties and get-togethers, really kind of family-like. Uh, right. And um, so I was like, okay, this is, man, this is it. This is, I'm going to make this work. And, of course, she's 19. Mm. And, it, um, you know, she was like, you know, I, I don't know if, Maybe this is moving, you know, a, a little. She's hesitant, and you're you're coming in like a torpedo, right? Okay, right. And so then, did I say I was dramatic? So then I say, look, I just, I just, you know, I can't, you know, just be, be friends. I'm in love with you. <laughs> um, but she didn't say get out, you creep, or anything like that, you know. So we broke up on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That okay. was really bad. Um, but then um, I was doing some session work. In other words, I was playing uh, keyboards and doing some vocals for another band. Mm-hmm. So I was in the recording studio, and I would just sit on the couch over in the corner, and I wrote letters to her. And I just, you know, I don't even remember what I put it. It, just, it was like who I was. Mm. And would just, uh, I'd leave him under her. I put him on a windshield for a little... Uh, 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 1984 uh, Toyota Sentra. I have a memory yeah. on this kid. Yeah, see, some things I remember, and I can't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> but I would leave the letter under the windshield. Okay, uh, wiper. What a love story. And um, 
so then finally, because I mean, I never would be capable of this. Even now, I'm not capable of, of doing something like that. I yeah. just, I'm not you know, comfortable doing it. And then we finally started seeing each other again. And then it was like, well, are you going to propose or not? And I was scared to, do, you know, I, I was like, she's not doing this. I was like, Yes, 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 yes. She asked you if you were ready to propose, and you were, of course, gung-ho. Yeah, because once again, I'm clueless. Remember, I'm stumbling through life. You've been through a lot, but hadn't learned very much. Exactly, exactly. So it's getting to the point where, you know, you got to learn something here, John. You know, you can't use that as an excuse throughout your whole life. So anyway, um, we get uh, we get married. She is still the most beautiful girl I've ever seen to this day. To this day, okay. To this day, um, and this it's all not, about. It, and that's not something you hear about a lot of ex-wives. No, so no. that's a compliment. Yeah, but it's just big, beautiful brown eyes. I mean, just gosh. I mean, I, I mean, I still remember the way I felt at that time, and of course. Uh, then we got uh, a record deal, or it was in the works. With Abandoned Reason. Abandoned Reason, yes. Because okay. we'd, um, we'd started working on the second album anyway. And uh, we had shopped it to some labels, and a lot of the big labels um, you know, said no, of course. And then Capricorn Records out of Nashville, uh, which uh, they used to be a really big label, and they, just, uh, they had just come back um, and they were looking to sign Axe, and they wanted to, uh, were interested in signing us. So we were like, woo, here's the dream. Yeah, woo. And um, uh, this is before I got married. Um, then we're playing a, uh, uh, playing at a fraternity house. Okay. And we we're playing this giant room. And, you know, we were tuning up, going to run through a couple of tunes in the afternoon. And this video comes on MTV on the screen there. And I'm looking and it's like this guy with blonde hair and it's like in this gymnasium. It's like I'm like, what the hell is this? This is a unbeknownst to me, that was the end of my career. <laughs> Kurt, <laughs> that moment. Kurt Cobain in Nirvana, you see them on TV, on MTV before you know anything about them. Just, it, it was just Breaking. Not knowing that that was the end. It was already over for bands uh, and artists like myself. And so, what what happens then? Just just to kind of sum it up, Capricorn. Okay, they uh, they withdraw their offers to all the bands, and everybody's going after you know, or going after grunge, grunge now. Yeah. Um. So we're like, you know, rug yanked out from under it. Yeah, because you had gotten this far to, especially back then, again, to put together a band, keep that band together and get all the way to a record deal that's on paper at this point and then to have it uh, ripped out from under you by some some grungy nerd that's going to later marry a psycho and end up killing himself. <laughs> it's like... No, but I, but I mean, I, I use them as a kind of a, a scapegoat. Um, uh, but, but really they had a, they had a big role in, in that. Yeah. I mean, but in truth that movement did. Right. Because it, the music that we were doing, once grunge started to fade, 
the gin blossoms and all of those groups like that was the exact same style. They filled that void. And all that of a sudden in left. the later nineties, there it was. So where it ended your career, it didn't end the career of that hootie guy you guys were making fun oh, of. Oh god. Okay. All right. Um pull uh, that mic down a little bit. Okay. Uh, after uh Okay, well, well, during the time I'm gonna uh step back a little bit with uh, my best friend. Uh, Jack Boston, who is a uh, disc jockey, a DJ. Okay. And he was in Washington uh, while I was living in Greenville. And he, uh, we just became friends through the music store I was working at. And he was, he was definitely a bigger market than Washington. And he liked to do comedy stuff and write parody songs. Um, but he, uh, yeah, that's our promotional picture. Um, okay. Yeah, for the album. Um, but the, the funny thing was we would write characters. I developed a, a character called Steve Dashing. I was doing all this comedy stuff and it was like, wow, this is awesome. So then I wrote my first parody with him in 1987. This is before digital, any of that stuff. It's a big deal. You have to reproduce, you know, the whole thing. There's no karaoke tracks or anything. Right. So I'm doing all this and he's like, I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't pay you anything. You know, he would give me a. Know, movie tickets you know or whatever he's he always said he always said he said john bird one day i'm gonna pay you back and i'm like yeah well, whatever you know whatever and uh, yeah it's my songwriting partner okay um ken uh and uh so um we ended up uh um i, I was figuring out what in the world am i gonna do you know i'd gotten married i was working in a music store another music store at this time and i i i was doing like our group kind of just it just kind of died it, it wasn't like it exploded or anything it was just like the heart had been ripped out of us on the band front yeah and here you are thinking you're about to provide a living for your new family your young wife mm -hmm. all of that's been ripped out and you lose all motivation to continue on mm -hmm. with music uh yeah i i had come to that realization and uh it was at that time that my buddy Jack Boston, I'd always go over and play basketball at his house, and he said, "Come on over, John. I want you to, um, let's shoot some hoops. I got I got someone to tell you. It's okay. So we go over there and we're playing, you know, shooting a little bit. And um, he said, "Okay, what do you think about about uh, Alabama, about Birmingham?" And I was like, "I'm, you know, what what do you know about it?" I said, "Well, they're like fire hoses and." <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, my, the way most people, and of course it's different now, but you know, in the early 90s, that was, you know, that was, that was the know, most recent memory of, yeah. you know, MLK. And he's like, oh, okay, no, no, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's better than that. Are you asking me to join the clan? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, I know I'm related to one of those guys, but come on. But, I mean, and this is, this is what made the biggest impression on me. He said, um, I've gotten a job offer to come to Birmingham on the morning show and they've already got somebody for me to uh um to uh be like my sidekick but i told them that if i couldn't bring who i wanted to i wouldn't take the job yeah i'm like what he's got two boys and a wife and he was that committed and that was the to, that was really to me the first time that i really saw somebody that really loved me and was you know when he said one day 
you know, I'm going to pay you back for this. And kept their word. He, yeah, I mean, he, he you know. It was the first really time you'd experienced that. Yeah, and it was, uh, I mean, that was, you know, he was my brother then. And then, of course. Because um, uh, even me, I've went back on my word, and I've only known John Bird for about a year and a half. Yeah, it's easy to do. It's easy. It's easy. <laughs> I will never forget look, taking away my word on the Super Bowl. <laughs> so you guys link up. You, you go to Birmingham. He is, in a sense, keeping his word by saying, hey, I'm going to pay you back, and he's doing so by getting you a job. Right. Um, the only bad thing was uh, my wife was just finishing up school, college. Okay, college. So Ooh. she had to stay thought you were going to say high school. <laughs> no, no, no. She, she's 20, 21 at this time, right? She's 21. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we agree that career-wise, it's a good move because she can be a teacher anywhere. Right. So uh, she stays... Uh, back in North Carolina, and then I moved down by myself. Uh, you know, Jack moved down first, and then I moved down um, afterwards, which was a disaster. Why? Um, for me, because all right, I was I had gotten in good shape. I was you know really going to fight this depression, and everything. I was down to like high school weight, and you know was feeling really good. And I get here, and first of all, radio is is such a different animal. Absolutely um, it is. You know, it is. And I got thrust into the middle of Radio Nirvana. I'm on a morning show. They agree. Now, that's that's me recently, a couple of years ago. That's not, I look better than that. Well, you, you look younger, <laughs> so we're yeah. putting that picture up. Yeah. But um, uh, they've got this new station, um, Mix 94.5, which, of course, now, many years later, is Jocks. Okay. And oh, and there's Valerie. There, there I am. Okay, yeah, speaking bring that, that up. Let's. Uh, uh, all right, just yeah. so we don't get ahead of ourselves, but you can go ahead and explain. Yeah, well, this, this is it. Um, the lovely lady in the middle is Valerie Vining. Look everybody. at that, very young Valerie Vining. Mm-hmm. And John Bird got a little bit of a young Matt Murphy look to him. See that? Yeah, yeah, with the, yeah with those glasses. Those were real popular then. And then uh, my buddy Jack Boston was over to the uh, to the left. Okay, and it was like, I don't know. It, it was just like a. A dream. It was like part of it was so great, and the other part was so agonizing. The great part was, you know, I mean, I got up early and everything, but they bought me a keyboard that was hooked up to the soundboard, and I had a toggle switch, and I could write parodies on the fly. It was sort of like the idea was David Letterman, right? And I was Paul Schaefer, and creatively, I, I'd never experienced anything like that. Um, you know, cranking out characters, bits. You I felt mean, like you had a lot day. of freedom. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, you guys just, you know, do your thing. And, um, I mean, it, we just, you know, city stages, we got to be a part of that. Ah. Just, yeah. I mean, it was just a, oh gosh, it, I mean, I just can't describe it. And, um, like usually happens in radio, we had a, actually had a really good, uh, um, a really good uh, ratings book when we got fired mm. and that was a year and a half later at Christmas, ah. December 1st, always good to, uh, to get your pink slip. Um, and the station was changing formats. We were more of a really would have fit more in a rock format. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also with, uh, uh, um, Roxanne, Lisa Holyfield. Right. She was also, you know, part of the team. Okay. And then we had mixed boy, um, but I mean, it was wait, just, wait, 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 wait. Well, why are all was, the names so racist back then? Who was Mixed Boy? 
Well, mix ninety four point five, the oh, hottest okay. mix of today. Yeah. I, I wish I still had that picture, but you you can see it on the <laughs> Talk ninety five website where he's got the purple spandex on. Yeah, we made, t- we showed that on the the yeah, Facebook Live. One right, time. we made him. Yeah, we made him do that. But I mean, we got to throw out the first pitch at a game when Michael Jordan was here. Everything was coming together. Mm. Of course, I mean, me being a Tar Heels fan, you know, That's Jack huge. and I were like, oh, right. Michael Jordan, and uh, so we came up with it. We had a. Um, we were really tied in with the Barons. We had so, box seats. So, and matter of fact, that picture you saw with us, we you know, were box seats. We'd right. you know, rub elbows with Charles Barkley and just, I mean. So I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I stay on track yeah, and, sure. and we keep it moving in the right direction. So you get, you're working with Val, you're working with. Uh-huh, with Jack Boston. With Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all get the pink slip right before Christmas. I've been there. I got pink slip from, you know, the only station I got pink slip. Wasn't pink slip, but they let us go mm-hmm. um, six weeks before Christmas. It's just a radio thing. They like to do that before the holidays. Um, and you're out of the radio business. What's next? What happens after that? Okay. Now, for radio veterans... It's par for the course. Now, I'm not a radio veteran. I'm a musician. And you've already been through being, having your dream taken away from you right. in an instant. So then I have a year and a half of bliss of just, you know, is this real? And of course, that's feeding my ADHD. It's just feeding it. Of course, I'm at my best because I'm able to be creative. You know, I'm doing all the things that are in my wheelhouse. You didn't realize you wanted to be in radio like no. you did. No, um, and I'm I'm not really a radio person. I'm a musician who's in radio, and I still, you know, keep that you know to this day. Um, but I didn't know that it w- you could get fired a lot of times. You know, Jack was like, "All right, on to the next place, buddy. I'm gonna find us you know, another gig." And he was just as confident as he could be. Yeah, he's like, I mean, "Hey, it, ain't no big deal. Yeah, Let's keep going." I mean, you know, that's that's. And you're like, "Oh my Jack. god, I got a wife to support." And I go home, and I'm in tears, and I get my knees. And I prayed to God because for the first time in a long time, I was raised Baptist. And um, I said, Lord, you got to let me know something. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, I was like, am I going to go back to North Carolina with my tail tucked between my legs? I've got a wife here now. And, um, you know, what am I going to do? And then my wife came home and I, I talked to her and we cried about it. And we, you know, it was sad. And that night I get a phone call. From John Jenkins, who is uh, the uh, the uh, um, program manager for uh, WERC. Okay. And he says, I'd like to hire you. Um, we want, we're trying to make TC and John Ed a little hipper, a little younger, and we think you're just the guy. And I was like, um, uh, okay, but you know, I don't, he said, he said, I know, I know, I know. Can you start January 3rd? I was like, hell to the yes. <laughs> so I went across the street, basically, to the competition, and I worked with TC and John Ed, and that was amazing. That's what got me into the history of radio. Um, those and you guys, enjoyed that. Uh, it was, it was a whole different, a whole different thing, but Oddly enough, everybody always thought, well, you know, TC's, you know, he's, um, you know, got a big head and he's always, you know, snooty and mean to everybody. And John Ed's, you know, like a, you know, always, you know, the good old boy. But actually, the roles were reversed. They were opposite. They were, yeah, they were opposite. So I really 
uh, hit it off with, uh, with TC. And I remember one morning, um, I, uh, woke up late and if I didn't get there, it was going to be dead air. So I go running out in my car and I slipped down and I hit my head and I knocked myself out. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, oh an accident. Oh, yeah, it's an accident, but okay. I'm like, you know, running and, and the grass is wet and I slip and I hit, um, you know, one of those railroad ties because it's like where the parking was. I didn't know if you, you meant like, oh, God, I need an excuse for why I didn't make it on time. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And I, I'd passed out. You know, and there's, there's nothing, let me tell you, folks, there's nothing like driving to work and hearing dead air. Oh, God. On the radio. Oh, and knowing you're the one <laughs> yeah. that's supposed and to be And knowing that TC and John Ed are sitting there and they have no idea what to do they can't run the board they're sitting there waiting um yeah they, and, yeah i was just, waiting for you know tc to just you know, grill me because everybody told me and he said he looked at me and he said don't do it again okay let's go and you're not used to that yeah i mean and that was it so um and then he had uh uh he um had a heart attack um and uh I mean, because I'd gotten really, really, really close to him. And this was in 96, I believe. And um, it turned out that he wasn't going to make it. Mm -hmm. And this was over the weekend. And I had started doing um, morning jingles and things. Right. So I was doing, you know, TC and John Ed on your radio. You know, just fun stuff and things like that. And um, so uh, Scott Michaels, the production director, and I put together a tribute because they were like, we need to put together a tribute because I don't think he's going to make it through the weekend. Wow. And before he's even gone, you guys are already talking about making a tribute. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing was his organs were shutting down. Right, they okay. were trying to, you know. They and, knew it was um, coming. Yeah. And uh, so we stayed up for three days, production director and I. And uh, the tapes, I just can't explain them to you. All the tapes were sitting in TC's garage. And they bring all these boxes in. We're like, how are we going to go through these and find these moments? And it was like, it was a God thing. It was like every tape we selected. Like, we got a tape that was the moon landing. All right, we're going to be signing off, uh, uh, you know, signing off a little early because we've got the, uh, going to be doing coverage of the moon landing. Wow. I mean, just, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it just made me realize, you know, number one, how big TC and John Ed were. And just how incredible the Birmingham radio market is. Right. Um, because we interviewed people and we put all these together. And Paul Feinbaum, uh, who was, uh, it was always adversarial on the air. But, uh, I mean, he, he loved TC. And he did a special um, uh, that Friday and brought in all these older, uh, 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 you know, radio guys. And they just talked about TC in his life. And we took all those audio pieces and we put all those together and, uh, you know, we're able to present something. Present and, that tribute. Yes. And we actually won, a, won an award for it. Wow. Which, you know, I mean, I could, could care less. But for me, I realized that was cathartic for me mm -hmm. because instead of just sitting there watching, passively watching something happen, I was able to at least find meaning in it. And that's why I started thinking about finding meaning in things that happened. Right. You know, uh, I was able to, while working with Scott Michaels, put together this tribute that his family will always have and that people that love TC and John Ed will, um, you know, will always have. And that hit me really hard. 
be able to pass down to the children and everything else. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I mean, wild. and it, it really it really meant a lot. And um, so I ended up becoming creative services director. Then I got my Birdworks Productions uh, business going on the side. This is all during the nineties. During um, during ERC. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, WERC Magic ninety six worked with Robin Shannon. Um, uh, uh, Worked with uh, Rick and Bubba when they first came to the market. Okay. And um, so I worked with, you know, all these people. And the company started getting bought and sold. And this happens a lot in radio. Mm -hmm. And in the course of less than three years, I had gone to three banquets. Introducing the new owners and how things are going to be so great. By the time the third owner, I was like, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I actually got to go with uh, Crawford broadcasting and, um, uh, but actually before I made that move, I had a friend from North Carolina who I had given, uh, the abandoned reason record to who okay. was a program director and we'd remain friends. And I invited him to, uh, or, you know, he said, Hey, if you got a gig down there, you let me know something came up. So I kind of, you know, put them together and he was able to get a job there. Then he also made the move to W, uh, to, uh, Crawford, to Crawford. So y'all were both at ERC and then well, he's at, he's at, uh, the country station. I can't even remember. WZZK. No, 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 not oh. the monster country. Um, I can't even remember. Uh, so, so he goes, uh, he goes from that station over to Crawford at the same time you leave ERC after the third management or owner change. Yeah. Right. You're like, Hey, I don't feel good about it. You go over to Crawford. All right. So just so we can, and, and we're, you go to, you and I both worked at Crawford at very different times. All of it's just about everybody at the radio station. It's amazing. Yeah. Every, everybody has worked. I think Val, and Dixon, maybe the only ones that did work for Crawford. Crawford, Crawford is a Christian-owned company. Mm-hmm. Um, same same ownership this whole time. Don Crawford, um, not known to necessarily treat their people the best monetarily, right? Um, but it was a platform nonetheless. And those that, those of us that were hungry in radio, me since I was a child, John Bird, since he found out the creative juices that go into to be in uh, in radio, you had fallen in love with it. So you get over there, and what's your gig at Crawford? Okay, I go over and start as uh, production director. Okay. And um, I immediately start putting things in place. Uh, I'm, I have a, a hobby, which is which we're putting things together in manuals. And actually, I found that as of a couple of years ago, they were still using the manual over at uh, Magic 96 for the production department that I wrote back in 1997. Wow. So, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, procedures. I just, that's, I just, you know, like having that stuff together. And um, so then 9-11 happened. And it just so turned out that, the because sometimes there would be a program director you'd be that and something else. Right. But program director, I mean, you might be two other things and you can't really, you know, focus your, your, your time on that. So when nine eleven happened, of course, everybody's in complete shock. I'm driving in, um, uh, you know, driving into work and, uh, I get a call, say, uh, um, uh, come on over to, uh, 101.1 FM, the source. News station. Yes, news talk. yes. Well, it wasn't the source yet. Um, so I come over there, you know, to help. 
And um, it turns out the, the program director didn't have any experience okay. in programming, mm -hmm. really. So the, uh, the general manager there was like, okay, we need, we need somebody that, you know, that you know, can do this. John, you do it. And just on the fly like that. On the fly. In the, it, within the chaos of 9-11, <laughs> they're like, this guy has no idea. Who's next? And eh, grab that kid over here. Pull in John Bird. Yeah, the I mean, they, they knew that I'd had the programming experience. And oddly enough, there's the, organi the, the organized side of me. I just, it just, I mean, fell into place. Three days there. You're just looking jo I'm, I'm job just like security. A, just like, no, I mean, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about, once again, that recurring theme. Okay, something horrible has happened. Let's make it be worth something. Right. What do we need to do? To do that yeah and you and i know for a fact that you're still this way and, and i'm starting to get a clearer picture of where that where that came from initially mm -hmm. so your program director at this point mm -hmm. um program director within crawford broadcasting is not necessarily a job you want but you probably didn't know that at the time you were again you your it was your drive for not just radio not just creativeness but as you stated your desire to do something that means something to people or someone so, like to help people yeah. in a sense. Yeah, exactly. So your role uh, as um, what, just give me a couple of your highlights. What's some of the names that these guys would know that you hired? Okay. Well, um, or the, I, that I didn't you have managed. The, yeah. I didn't have the power to hire directly. That was always a strange thing. It was like, you know, two levels up. But for instance, um, I was, uh, involved in the matt murphy deal so you brought matt murphy from georgia to uh, no, no no he was in montgomery at the time oh that's right right you brought him from montgomery how did you find murphy um we were saying we need somebody it started as simple as you know all right we need somebody who can we get <laughs> and uh someone just mentioned him uh you know well there's a guy down you know in, in montgomery that's right. you know, really good and he'll probably work for cheap Right. You know, that's kind of thing. And, you know, we heard the tapes. I'm like, wow. Wow, let's get him down here. And then Murphy and I became, you know, uh, fast buds. And then I did themes. And then we had uh, Bert and Kurt. I remember Bert and Kurt. Used mm -hmm. to listen to him every day. Yep. And uh, so we launched 101.1 um, if in the source was kind of my baby. Mm -hmm. Programming-wise, launched it. And, of course, we had Russ and D. I mean, I, you know, love him to death, but wow. I, I heard they're a handful. Yes. I've heard a lot of those stories. Yes. So um, I realized that, hey, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing good. Pretty good. good you put together a good, and good show, and, good station. And I'm, I'm miserable. Yeah. Um, because of, well, just sometimes dealing with talent, and I won't say anything else, can make your life a living hell. I don't think it's that way nowadays, but every story, no. talking to John Bird, talking to Valerie Vining, uh, even Roxanne and everybody, I always dig on them to, not dig on them, but but pry to try to get those old radio stories. And that's one thing that I always end up, in my mind, coming back to is mm -hmm. like everybody in radio back in the 90s were prima donnas. Uh, they were... They viewed themselves a lot more important than they actually were in the real world, uh, and, and and I'm not saying that 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 makes them a bad person or they they did it for a bad reason. I think just by default in the state of radio at that time, it made you 
you know, if you're working at 1077 The Axe in the, the late 90s, you're just as big a star to the person on the other side of the radio as the band you're playing. Because right. ultimately, the, those bands are coming to the studio and you're exactly. hanging out with them. They sound like your buddies. So that causes mentally any human being to get a big head. And for you to be somebody that had to manage that, that many big heads had to be a nightmare. Now, within that, you're, you're Murphy's boss. You, you guys, you guys created the source. You had Bert and Kurt. Mm-hmm. I did theme songs for. I wrote original theme songs for everybody because I had a vision of I want this to not only be live and local all day, but I want it to sound like it could be in New York, right? You know, which uh, I, I knowing you that you you actually absolutely accomplished that. Um, Russ and D. Bert and Kurt, Matt Murphy, Michael Hart came in there at one time. Mm-hmm. That may have been well. That. Um, uh, back then we had. Uh, uh, Jay Barker. Jay Barker. We had like sports in the afternoon, right. and then Scott Moore was kind of in the mix there. And then, um, uh, you know, so, you know, we had like you know, different things. We never could quite get that um, tweaked right. And then this is, okay, now this this is finally getting to the, the last half of why I am like I am today or who I am today is because of 2004. Okay. You're still at Crawford. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still with Crawford. Still program director. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in 2004, um, my wife's brother committed suicide on Father's Day. Wow. Um, two months later, my mother died of uh, um, of a, a heart attack, basically. Yeah, that's my mom. And then three months later... My wife's mom died of the same thing. Only she was well. She she was fifty nine, which is my age right now. Wow. And okay. This, this is your mom. That's Just my to, mom. For those of you that are watching, Mama, uh, John Bird's mother, right there. And then, One of and a then kind. after your mother dies, uh, a, a couple months go by, and then uh, my wife's mother dies. Wow. So that's three right in a row. Yes. Brother in law, mother, wife's mother. Mother-in-law, yes. and it's like you don't even have time to grieve. So during you, you guys, you you and the wife are picking each other up. She's she's picking you up after after your mom. Yeah, and the that, next thing you know, the roles are reversed. You're having to pick her right back. And literally, my wife picked me up because she got the call. And like so know, many she, other times in your you life, somebody else gets the call and has to relay the message to gosh, you. Gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, and. Uh, you know, I just slid down to the floor and just, you know, I mean, I I just lost it because, I mean, that was my mom. It's my grandparents right there. You got up. Yeah. Yeah. So after you get the word Grandpa about grandma, your mom, mm-hmm. then you find out about her mom. Yeah. Um. And now at work, because we're, we're having, you know, we're still having to, she, you know, my you got a lot going on at work. School. I got all this going on at work. And, um, uh, we end up, uh, uh, you know, saying, all right, I'm going to have to have time off for this funeral because we had to travel back to North Carolina. Or in the case of her. For her mom. Uh, yeah, for her mom and her brother, it was Virginia. Okay. We had, you know, the, so we went to the first one and got a wonderful letter from, you know, Don Crawford, you know, saying, look, this is, this is terrible. Right. You know, God's 
God's got this basically. And, uh, you know, you take the time you need and you don't worry about that. Okay. Well then, the, you know, all right, my mom dies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. This is an incredible tra- uh, tragedy. You've gone through so much. God's, God's with you through this. That's what Don Crawford's telling you. Yes. Okay. We're family here. You take whatever time you need. Don't worry about it. Then before you can get back to work. Well, I get back to work. It's like you get back to work and you just start processing things and then boom. Within days? Uh, no, dies? it's like within a couple of months. So it's like you're going you're through just like now getting back and stuff into and you're, okay, I can catch my breath. Boom. <clears throat> Um, so then my this... wife's mother dies. So then he's, you know, still like I've, you know, maybe he thought that you, you've missed all this time at work. Now your <laughs> wife's mother's dead. Well, you, you got to take off more time to be able to be there with her. Is that what you ended up doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we, okay. we were going to funerals. So you took more time off and then what happens? Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, after two very nice letters from Don Crawford. Three. Three. You got a you got a letter for her mom as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're yes. there. Uh, I get fired. Then you get fired. Yes. How does how does that happen? That happens. Well, another we got, we letter. Go, <laughs> uh, no, we have to go back to North Carolina when I was in my band, Abandoned Reason. Okay. The program director that I was friends with mm-hmm. that I played the tape for, and then I helped him get a job down here. Right. And then he ended up moving over to Crawford. You know that? But he decided that. Well, he's got no experience as a program director. I could do that job. And and here's how I found out. He left one of the uh, letters he was uh, um, faxing to Don Crawford. Left it out for left you to see. Out. And um, actually one of the other talent, you know. They found it. They figured. found it. The, you know, and they, it was like, you know, I was, you know, I had to really pray about this. Anyway, but you need to know. Yeah. And um, so they're like, hey, I'm not a snitch, but this letter explains what happened to you and your job. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he's basically saying when, you know, John Bird is not doing his job the way he needs to be. So let me put this in simple man terms, because I I know this story and I assume we're keeping his name. Out of the equation. Yes. Um, Just just to recap, because we're we're an hour and a half in on this interview. Oh my gosh! Look, look, there's only twelve minutes left in the Tennessee Alabama game. But so let's go back. You come back here. Mm -hmm. You're at ERC. Your buddy from Reason, abandoned Reason, Mm -hmm. or it's associated with the band, needs a gig. You say, "Hey, well, you're a good buddy. You're a good dude. I'm gonna bring you down here." You get him at at, uh, a different station, a country station. Or uh, he does it on his own. Or uh, yeah, I, I get him connected, and, and then all of a sudden, you two both get the job at Crawford. You're the program. Yeah, he's a, he actually moved be- went before I did. Okay, so he gets but, there, then you get there. Your program director, y'all are work, both working together. You're like, this is great. You moved all the way down here. Now we're coworkers. We're getting along. You have three separate tragedies strike back to back, and then when you finally get back to work, you find out even though. Don Crawford, the owner of Crawford Broadcasting, had been very compassionate, making sure to tell you to take your time. You found out all the while this this alleged friend that you were working with, that you had been through a lot with for a long time, many years, had been working while you were gone dealing with those things to convince management that he could do a better job at your your position. Yeah, he, he could, could do both positions. And so he ultimately takes your job, and then you're out completely. 
Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm leaving out something very important. Um, I actually rededicated my life to Christ in 1997 because my wife, she had grown up and her parents didn't, you know, go to uh, go to church or anything, and she'd always wanted to go. She was like, I, I want to be a Christian, but... She didn't know how. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we did. So we were involved in a small group at our church, and they were, I mean, they were just... I mean, they were there for us. Yeah, and um, it just so happened that one of the uh, the the uh, my friends there was a well-known lawyer, and uh, because Don Crawford basically said, "Okay, here's your uh, um, you know here's your severance," and um, oh, by the way, we're taking out everything from the days that I had off. Wow, including. Which they legally couldn't do, including days that I had that I used. So he says, because I, I know, I know from experience, there's a, a set number and it's dictated by how many years you're there, what position, whatever. No, it's, it wasn't at that time. Well, no, okay, maybe not at that time. I can but tell it, you why it, it's it, like that now. Well, there, there, there's a. Is it because of you? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a number they they give you. They say, here's what we're giving you because we're separating. We're letting you go. Uh, this is the money we're going to give you. And then he says, before I do that, for all those days you had off because your family was dying, we're going to take that money back and left you with basically nothing. Yeah. Well, his number two guy did. Obviously, he... The guy that took your position. No, you, no, no. Uh, I'm oh, just saying Don Crawford, you know, wasn't he was involved, involved in that part. It was the next guy down that was yeah, overseeing. Yeah. So you, so you, you, you not only lost your job, but you left with, with Less, pretty much nothing. Yeah, with pretty much nothing. And... My friend who was a lawyer, he said, you know, look, this is wrong. He said, we can eat his lunch. He said, uh, I don't mind. You know, he said, you know, you, you should be getting X amount of money mm -hmm. for X amount of months that you worked there, you know, right. you know, things like that. And so he sent a letter to Don Crawford. And then Don Crawford had sent a letter back. And he said, okay, he's, he's wanting to fight. He said, uh, I'll, I'll fight. Right. Let's do this. And I, I just told him, I, I said, said it wasn't worth I it. don't feel, I don't feel peace about it. It's not, it's not the right thing, you know, the right thing to do. And I believe I was right in that. But once again, all that old junk from my past, the mental illness and all that took something that could have been really healing and really helped me grow and just threw it in the trash, threw it in the trash. So you, you I, don't regret not going after him or going after, I keep seeing him and I, I don't want to paint Don Crawford in a bad light, but the, the mm -hmm. company. Yes. Um, yeah, it was just, it, it, I just didn't have a piece about it. I feel like that was, you know, probably didn't have the energy absolutely. as well. Yeah. I mean, cause it was, you know, and it was a year we honestly never recovered from, to be honest. Um, I think, I think a lot of us have been through that year per se, mm -hmm. uh, as well. So, so let's, let's, do this. Let's go. You're gone from Crawford. Mm -hmm. You and your young wife are struggling. You, you barely have make a, it. Uh, uh, I have a three-year-old son. Okay. And a year-and-a-half-old daughter. So you have both. You got, I've you, got a picture of, 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 you've of got both of them. two children. Mm -hmm. They are both born at oh, this I, time. Oh, my gosh. That's not. Oh, that's me in the marching band. Oh, is it? With my, yeah. Oh, I thought that was the kids. 
You got pictures of the kids on there? Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got uh, a picture of both of them, Mason and him together. So so they're uh, they're very young. And you guys not only barely survive that year, but barely survive it with children. What what happens on the other side of that? Okay, well, and um, here here for those of you mm-hmm. watching, here's a picture of uh, John Bird's kids, his son and his daughter. This is obviously with them more recent picture over mm-hmm. the past few years. But yeah, Mason is a senior at uh, Alabama. I'm a sophomore, but um. Uh, so I decided to start my own business, and people at the uh, the church we were at had a lawyer that drew up all the papers and stuff for me for free. People were just, you know, really, really there for me, um, and Jill uh, and my my wife um, at the time. But uh, mentally, it was—I don't want to say it was too late, but I have—I was just down a path um, with uh, the depression. I mean, it was. It was just grueling. You were checked out. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, was checked out. Um, I had an eating addiction. At one time, I had a pornography addiction. Yeah, and it was all trying to soothe all know, the other, all, all of this pain, all the other crap. So then, my wife's having to deal with all this too. You know, very unfair to her. No, absolutely. Um, and it, you know, over the years. Gradually got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then I finally started getting, you know, some treatment. But I finally realized, um, and then I got, it finally came to a, um, a divorce in uh, 2016. And um, it was not cheating or abuse or anything like that. Uh, you just some of that stuff causes was, so much the, damage. It was this. It just yeah. Um, you can't recover from yeah, it. Yeah. Um, that you know. I mean, and I, I you know, pray for my ex-wife every day that um, that she'll find somebody that'll be the right person for her. And hopefully, she does the same for you. Yeah. And um, but you know, for me, I'm in a place now where I realize that um, I I wore it like a badge of honor. Look at how awful my life has been. Look at this. I had a fiance kill herself. Yeah. Look at this. I had this happen. That happened. And I had a friend of mine who let me know. Do you? He told me. He said, "Do you realize that's pride?" And I said, "What? No, it can't be." He said, "Yeah. You're proud that your life is a disaster, and you help make it that way." Hmm. And. That just hit me hard because he was absolutely, he was absolutely right. You'd made that your identity. Yes, and see, just like in radio, I'd made that who I was. Well, my identity was suddenly taken away. And so you had to lean back on something else, and it was just the yeah. misery yeah. out of your life. And then that hatred that was always there, underlying, was there. So there's always the funny, funny, ha ha, John clown. And then you turn that face upside down, and you got the you know the the tragic side. But I'm not necessarily a, a tragic figure. I look at myself as uh, I was a coward for a long time, and now and it took, you know, it it took me losing my family, yeah, uh, to realize that um, it's not that 
important. Just realizing what the truly the important things are. And once again, it, it came it came down to if I've gone through this stuff, please let it have been for something, right? You know, not for naught. So I'm, you know, I'm very well aware of you know the ADHD. I, it really shocked me in the last couple of years. I really, uh, um, uh, I've really delved into that as they know more about it. And I look at so many things. I say, wow. You know, I, I you know, anger, just, you know, some things that you wouldn't even think about. Uh, you know, of course, you think about forgetfulness and, th- and things like that. But uh, trouble with sense of direction. Um, all of these things. And it affects how you look at yourself. You're broken. Yeah. That's how you look at it. You know, and there are some people that can look at it and say, this, no, this is a gift. Well, for me, I was broken. Now, I, you know, I am who I am and you can take it or you can leave it. That's you know? it. I mean, that's who I am. And then, of course, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm here working with, the, with you guys. Uh, and it was so neat for me with Matt Murphy is he had that same vision that I did and he made it happen. Yeah. And that was so neat. And I remember, uh, listening to the station and immediately I said, cause I had gotten out of radio. I'd been out of radio for years. I'm um, doing you know, production and jingles and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I said, I want back in, I want to be a part of this. Right. This is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Not all that other junk. This is what's supposed to be, a, you know, be like. You got people that love and care, uh, you know, care for each other. The, you know, the listeners are treated like family. They look at the, at the. Uh, it's a the family station. atmosphere. Yes, exactly. So, Murphy said, uh, "I don't know how I'm going to ha- make it happen, but we'll make it happen." And then, um, yeah, he did. And then COVID hit three weeks later. And then I was by myself for six yeah. months. <laughs> but no, but I mean, you were you were still grateful to to be in radio once again. Yes, but for a different reason. Right. I'm in it because I love it, and uh, it's certainly not because of the money. Um, but I do it because I love it, and as long as I'm able to do my work on the side and and all that, where I'm able to do it, it's it's where I'm happy. It's where I feel like that. Uh, um, that I fit in and I can use my gifts, you know, the best. And, and, and I think the biggest takeaway for me, uh, and may as well be for the people listening to this podcast, is that it gives you that that purpose of giving. I think giving's the word I'm looking for in the sense of you're giving something to a large amount of people. Those that listen to our radio show, they probably got no idea how many people actually listen to our radio show, but it's a lot. And I say a lot in the sense of it shocks me every day when I see it because I've never been in a position like this. But you are back to a place where you're giving something to people. And whether it's my own mom or just random people on the tax line or listeners calling in, every single one of them love the stuff you do whether it's on my show or it's uh news and views bird plays a guitar uh, uh bird's eye view they love all of it and and what happens there is 
you've got people who maybe are going through exactly what you've been through, what seems like a hundred times over, mm. and allowing them for at least a brief moment during their day to be able to smile or or laugh or just, you know, take a moment and, and appreciate. And that's why I want to do this podcast as well. There's going to be people listening to this and they're going to think, man, I, I've been the same way. I've allowed my tragedies to become my identity and Again, this will be you giving back to people that uh, you could change some lives. Yeah, you know? I think that's awesome. Crazy I mean, as it sounds. I am who I am, and I'm finally at peace with it. That's good, man. I think this was good. I think it was therapeutic. I think I, it was long. I think it <laughs> I was no long. Idea. Listen, oh my gosh. we only went an hour and 40 minutes, and we were going to watch the tennessee alabama game together which we still can there's seven minutes left in the game <laughs> and it's a close game so it's going to be an exciting seven minutes all right uh but go vols if they don't win by the time you guys listen to this uh i'm i'll be really sad but thanks for doing this man this has been really cool and i'm excited about doing these doing more of these in the future because yeah. i think it can be really beneficial you're gonna be a new man by the time you get to the station tomorrow Ah, I got got a weight lifted off my shoulder. You know, the interesting thing is I've never put all this timeline together at one sitting. And here it is. Always been parts of it. Now I'm terrified. I've I've always felt like I've been somewhat of a therapist in the past. Back in my Uber driving days. Oh yeah. I, I was basically an unlicensed therapist. Absolutely. Therapists come in all shapes and sizes and, <laughs> and So this takes me back. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, uh, thank y'all for listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and share this, especially if you got friends that listen to the line, listen to Talk 99.5. Share this with them. Share people that are struggling with the same thing that uh, John Bird was struggled with. And uh, we'll have more of these coming up in the future with people just as interesting, maybe not as much, but just as interesting as John Bird. Maybe a little more sane. A little more sane. Not, not as interesting. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But... We appreciate y'all checking this out. Make sure to listen to us both on Talk 99.5, talk99.5.com, 12 to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time will be around. And until next time, see you, cuz. <laughs>